You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. On today's episode of The Salisha Show. Why the story is so important is, as a gay man, it's not so much about opening up the idea of becoming gay or being gay in the United States as we've done that. We've emerged from the shadows in so many ways. But to me, it's about looking back on a cultural power structure that exists, it has existed forever. And to ask ourselves, do we still do this to each other when we're not in middle school anymore? And why do we do this to each other when we're not in middle school? Have we actually really grown up? The L to the Isha. Some call me Sally, others call me Sisha. If you don't like it, I'm gonna have to beat ya. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding, y'all. Y'all, y'all, Y and double L. I bet you all thought that Salisha couldn't spell, but now you know, and I got to go. Hey, it's time for the Salisha show. <laughs> Hello. Welcome or welcome back to the Salisha show. I'm your host, Salisha Thomas, and my heart is overjoyed. You guys, there, a few years ago, I was a part of a show that quickly became my favorite show. And I've done a lot of shows that I'm like, this is my favorite. No, this is my favorite. No, but this one is so special. And it became, it went to the top of my list very quickly. It's called Trevor the Musical. And that show, we worked on it outside of New York in a little town called Glencoe. And it has finally moved to New York City. And today I am sitting down with two of the producers of this show, Trevor the Musical, and I couldn't be more excited. Please help me welcome the producers and my friends of Trevor, John Ambrosino and Josie. (laughs) (laughs) So excited to be here. Do you think think the at-home audience clapped? I imagine they clapped. I know. I, I, I hope they clapped. Yeah, absolutely. If they're listening in their cars or wherever they're listening to this app. If they're listening in their cars, I hope they kept driving. But maybe they they driving. You guys, I'm so happy to see you. I miss you both tremendously. Mm, I miss you too. 
Um, I, I guess the first thing I want to ask you is, first I want to say congratulations. You did it. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. You did it. And I'm so honored that I got to be there for your opening night off Broadway in New York friggin' city. Josie, that's awesome. Like, so what is the, if you had to describe that night in one word, what you got? Wow. That's it. Amazed. There it is. Wow. Wow. John says, wow. Josie, what did you say? Amazed. Okay. Tell me, what did it feel like? To, first of all, how long have you been working? I know some of these answers, but still, you can remind me. How long have you been working on this show? It's with the pandemic, it's eight years. I forgot about that time. thing. Yeah, it would have been seven if we had opened on time, but with the pandemic, it's eight. And we had been meeting before we knew the project was Trevor. John and I have known each other for 20 years and have worked on projects for 20 years. But before we knew this project was going to be Trevor, we were working to create something that would hopefully open in New York probably for a year before John, a year and a half. Our first meeting was at that little cafe in Astoria. Scarlett had just been- How old is Scarlett? She just turned 11. So then it was, so 11 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) 11 years ago. 11 years ago is when we started our, our producing partnership or discussing the idea of starting a producing partnership. Trevor was not the first project that we explored as an underlying rights property to develop into a musical. It came a little bit later and that was, that's, that's eight years ago. Trevor's eight years ago. Yeah. But our sort of partnership of deciding we were going to do something like this is 11 years. And you guys both come from different worlds, both in the arts, of course, but in terms of producing, you've come from a different world. So how did you fall into this together and then come up with this story. So John and Rosino had this small theater company in Boston. We were both right out of college, but we didn't know each other. John had this small theater company in Boston. And I, my undergraduate is in modern dance. So I had been doing small dance projects in Boston, but my master's degree is in theater. So I wanted to get back into theater. And I don't know, I think it was like 22, 23. And I was like, oh, I want to get back into performing and, and in, in theater, not in dance. And so there was this audition for this play that took place in a sandbox. And it was like a fusion piece of theater between Japanese no theater and Greek drama. And they were looking for dancers. And I'm dyslexic, Alicia. So I, this is why I'm not an actor. I'm dyslexic. I can't memorize lines. And so they were looking for dancers. So, okay. But also I had to memorize, I think it was a Greek monologue, John. Like you wanted us to. I asked asked for a classic Greek monologue. Yeah. So I worked my ass off to try to memorize this classic Greek monologue. And I went into this audition. I got it wrong every time. It was, it was Ismeni from Antigone. Oh, thank you for remembering. So I I got that piece of text wrong every single time I did it. I messed it up every time. Um, (laughs) But I could dance. And so I went into this audition and I left and I was like, there is no way I'm being cast in this thing. And I did get cast. To be fair, it wasn't that she was doing anything bad in the performing. She was just forgetting the the lines. So like immediately she was vivid in something that I wanted to watch. I was directing the show. So she would mess up the words, but she wasn't messing up the performance. So she's making it seem a lot more like 
dire, then it was actually quite good. But she uh, just would forget the lines every once in a while. And yeah. So he cast me and then we started working on this project. And then John was doing another project and asked if I choreographed. And I said, yes. And so on our next project, we started being an artistic team and I stopped performing. I still perform every once in a while for fun, but I'm not a performer at my heart. And so then we had this company. Well, okay. after, so wait, there, that was a huge leap. So she choreographed this. So I had started this theater company and was running it in the South End of Boston. And, and she choreographed the show. And we had such a great collaboration on that project that I said, look, um, I'd be interested in working with you on future projects. And she agreed. And I asked her if she wanted to be the co-artistic director of the company with me. So we ended up co-leading this theater company in Boston together. At the time, I was making a transition from an artistic perspective from the uh, theater. I always wanted to work on musicals. Um, they just happen to be incredibly expensive to do, even if you're doing them at a little level. <laughs> They're always massively expensive. And uh, I got to the point where the company was known enough and we had enough donor support to be able to like transition into that realm. And so she came on board when we were just about to do that. And we figured out how the company could start producing musicals. And then from there, where'd Trevor come from? Oh, so oh, then yeah. we both left that because we realized that we wanted to work in New York, hopefully present, produce, direct, choreograph work in New York. We didn't know how to really get there. We both came to that conclusion basically at the same time. We both told each other at a Starbucks in Beacon Hill in Boston, basically on the same day and actually on the same day. And we were like, we'll get to New York somehow and we'll figure it out. And we, I went off and the first work that I got in New York was acting. So I was doing that. And Josie was being an associate choreographer and director in New York on Broadway. And we eventually came back and said, we want to do this. But actually it was my partner, Mark Woods, who suggested that we produce musicals for Broadway and in a very nonchalant way. I know it sounds crazy. Like, Let's just do that. He's like, why don't you guys just, why don't you guys just do that? Why don't you guys just do a Broadway show? And I was like, look, I'm not, I'm pretty sure that's just not how it happens, Mark Woods, but okay. But Josie from working on Ragtime made a uh, mentor, what well, had met, who become, became our producing mentor, Manny Eisenberg. And we met with Manny Eisenberg and said, we want to do this. And he said, okay. And we started a company and started looking for underlying rights properties. So we'll that's- go to that story that I think is important to tell, which is that we were sitting at the Edison Cafe and we talked to Manny about being a producer. And he said, if I told you that you went out this door and it was an ocean full of sharks, would you still want to go swimming in it? That's what it means to be a producer. No, it's okay. You're in this, you're in this diner. And the only way out is that front door. And on the other side of that front door is a pack of lions who haven't been fed in months. But the only way out is to walk into the pack of lions. Will you still walk out that door? Oh, I was afraid of sharks. Total different no, memory. it's lions. <laughs> very severe. And you guys were like... Yes, we said yes. Sign me up. Okay, so wait, I have a question for you, like a hindsight question. If you were to start today, which, are there any shortcuts that you would take to, from the origin of everything to getting a show, a successful show in New York City with a, a real life audience? If you were to do it Starting today's day one, are there shortcuts that that you would take now? I don't know if shortcuts is is the word with the connotation that I want, but I mean... Yeah, shortcuts are hard, but you mean like, uh, now that we know what we know, are there different choices we would make? Yes. Now that you know what you know, are there different choices that you would make to get you there sooner? 
I don't know that you can get it there sooner if you do the process the way that we did the process. I, so th the real question is, would you do the same type of process? Our process was literally identifying the underlying rights property or the document, getting those rights, matching a writing team to it, matching a creative team to it, developing the work, doing an out of town, doing an out of town, doing the readings, doing the developmental workshops, doing an out of town production, and then bringing it into New York. I don't know that you can do that process fast. Even if, you, I mean, remove the pandemic, I don't know that you can do that process faster. Maybe here and there you could shave some time off, but I think it depends on what the process ends up being. I'm not sure you can pre-see what's going to happen. I think the only thing in that you could possibly do faster is if more people ahead of time, it's maybe easier to get a regional theater who's willing to help you develop it. Because that took some time and it, it's not... It, it just took time because we didn't know as many people as if, say, we had been established for 20 years. Right. Right. Um, You're still operating on the same cycle. So if, if your project become, and this happened to Trevor kind of matured to the point when it was ready to be done out of town at a regional around February, March of a year, every regional had already chosen their next year's season, which yes. puts you two years out. So it's, it, I, I don't, that's the thing that's difficult, right? Is that if what really would have been better is if we had, if the musical had matured in July, August of that year, so that we could have been in their, in their thought process, August, September for their next year. Got but it. if you, so that's the thing that's tough because the regional theater is operating on an academic schedule. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you're, they've already made, they've already accepted their next class by the time we were ready to it. put in our application. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, what, let's see here. First of all, I want to, what would you say, because I've been asked this question a million times and I would like to hear you guys sum it up. When people ask you, what is Trevor about? What do you say? What is it to you? Do you want to go, Jesse? Sure, I'll go. I, I say, well, usually I ask the person if they've heard of the Trevor Project first. And then I say that organization is based on a short film about an eighth grade boy who's bullied for being gay experiences depression and suicidal thoughts and overcomes that experience and returns back to life or back to school, like making the conscious choice to, to go back into the world, having had this experience. And then I say, <laughs> and our music is funny and uplifting. And even though it's about this very serious topic, which is so heart centered and so important, it's fun and hopeful. And because you, you talk about suicide and people think, oh, this must be like a three hour bummer. It's not at all. It's, it's not. not at all. It, and intentionally so. The film's not a bummer. The film is cute. It's really, I know it's so sweet. It's cute. John, that's what I say. What do I say? I say, I, I usually also ask, have you ever heard of the Trevor Project? And then explain the film origin. But I would say it's about a 13 year old boy in 1981 who is discovering his sexuality in a time that's not really ready for it and how he um, deals with that coming of life moment. And if they ask more, I say it's really the thing that, that's great about the show is that it's incredibly funny, incredibly entertaining, and you are joyously washed along by this boy's joie de vivre until the other people take it out of him. And for me, why the story is so important is as a gay man, it's not so much about, oh, 
opening up the idea of becoming gay or being gay in the United States as we've, we've done that. We've emerged from the shadows in so many ways. Yeah. But to me, it's about looking back on a cultural power structure that exists. It has existed forever. And to ask ourselves, like, do we still do this to each other when we're not in middle school anymore? And why do we do this to each other when we're not in middle school? Have we actually really grown up? Have we, be- have we become a culture of 2021? Have we become a 21-year-old or a 40-year-old? Because I know that the same kind of power dynamics exist in every area of culture, even when you're 41. But to me, it, the musical asks us to examine whether or not we've been big enough to grow out of our middle school selves. I also just want to say I'm so proud of this work because it's so heart-centered it's really, it's a cast of kids. Yeah. It's a cast of kids. And they, are, and we have this kind of, we have one of the songs called What's Wrong With Me. And just to piggyback off of John's idea, it's like, even the kids who are not in the role of Trevor have this fear of what's wrong with me. And the way that we kind of internalize that idea that there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with me, and that those those power structures lay in and reinforce those fears. Oh, there's something wrong with me. I must need to X, Y, and Z for there not to be something wrong with me. Right, right. I will say from my perspective, even like, and you were saying there's, it's a cast of kids with a couple of adults. I remember being like, oh, there's children everywhere and they're so professional and so good at what they do, but they're also still kids at the same time. They're so fun. And and I haven't gotten to know this group that you have. I did get to meet Holden on your opening night and he is so lovable. Like just, oh, Holden is so great. He plays such a great Trevor. And while I was watching it, I was sitting in the second row and Eli Tokash, who was the Trevor when I was in it, he was sitting in the first row. And every now and then I'd look over at him because we have such a bond because of this show. And I hope that the current cast also is closed and it feels like they are. It's just it, there's, it's so, it brings me so much joy to think about this work coming together. And I just hope everybody in it like loves it as much as like I did when I was there. And as I want to ask you guys, as producers, okay, as producers, do you guys play a role? And the answer might be no. I really don't know. Do you guys play a role in making the cast feel safe at all. And by that, that could mean many different things. I will say I noticed when I saw the show, Franny was black. (laughs) Franny wasn't black back in the day. This is amazing. (laughs) Do you guys have any role in that? We're involved in the casting process for sure. And the creative process of putting together who's in the show. So we're in the room when we decide and when the artistic team decides who they want to use as actors in the show. In terms of making people feel safe and part of a group, I like to believe that how we lead as producers engenders that in the creative team, which engenders that in the cast. I like to believe that how we choose to interact with the actors and the artists on our team makes them trust who we are and as as business people and as artists as well, and hopefully allow them to feel comfortable doing everything that they're doing. So I, 
Absolutely. I, I would hope that's the case. Interestingly enough, the camaraderie that you talk about, that team that you talk about from the Chicago cast, it, it has magically been so for every incarnation of Trevor we've done, from every, every reading, from that every from the out of town production. And because these are kids, it's not that the talent travels forward because all these, most of the cast age out before the next incarnation of it. Right. And so what has been magical about it is that in every incarnation, these casts have bonded together in a way that it's everything that I ever want theater to be. There is no, it, it doesn't seem to be from a place of ego or a place of, even the, they become part of this fabric of carrying the story forward. And I, so just so you know, it is actually like that at, new, at stage 42 right now yes. in New York. And it Amen. just, as it was at the writer's theater, it's yeah. just different people doing it. And I also feel like everybody who touches this story tends to just like, yourself and also Eli coming back to this cast. And this cast is so excited that Eli and you are there and you guys are so excited that they are there. It's, awesome. it's, it, is, it is one of those magic things about, I think, Trevor and this story that people feel, they feel honored to be able to carry the story forward. And it doesn't hurt that 90% of the cast are 13 year olds who to me, our young people are the most inspiring members of our human race. They see so far beyond maybe what I can see as a 42-year-old man closed off by all sorts of barriers. And with that kind of energy as the foundation for a cast rather than an adult energy, I think that kind of makes that happen. Before I get I to agree. you, Tracy, because I, I want to ask you too, I just want to comment on what you just said, John, about the whole ego thing. It starts at the top. It starts at the top and knowing, and I know you guys, so I can speak on this personally, knowing <laughs> you, John, and you, Josie, and Mark, who's not here, and Mark Bruni, the director, it start and, and Matt Deichman and Julianne Wick Davis and Dan Collins, I know you all personally, and you don't, oh, and Josh Prince, you guys don't operate from a place of ego. Everybody in the room is whoever has the best idea. That's what we're going with a place of we all want this to succeed. And that energy trickles down. It trickles down to the adults you've cast, to the leads you've cast through the kids. And so I want to just commend you guys for having a humble, open heart because that, like the audience can feel it without knowing what it is. So just want to say that. Josie, what do you think in terms of having a place in making the cast feel safe or whatever? What do you think? I was actually going to speak to just that same thing you named, Celicia, which is that I think we've really, and this is partially because John and I come from an artistic background. We understand what artistic collaboration is because we've done it and it's our training, that from the beginning, we were trying to build real camaraderie and trust among the artists and the producers. And, and, and we always started with that as a basis. Like we started with that with the writing team. And then once Mark Bruni got involved, we were really trying to create that collaboration between Dan and Julianne and Mark and us. And then once Josh got involved, right? So every time we've added someone, it's you bring one person into the family before the family has to literally quadruple, quintuple. It has to get so big once you move into a theater. But if the core is stable and trusting to begin with, 
then you can weather all sorts of things. And one of the things we used to talk about when we were first um, trying to choose which writers to work with, obviously we chose Dan and Julianne because they're massively talented. And when we were talking with them, one of the things we said was, we want to work with people where if we're in tech and the shit starts to hit the fan and it's three in the morning and we need to have a conversation, that we can all do that. We've built this trust because I'm sorry, that is theater. That's what it is. So real. Can yeah, I, that's what it is. Can I say that I asked you guys a trick question because I already knew the answer. <laughs> <laughs> As somebody who has worked with both of you, I can say that, yeah, you absolutely cultivate a safe environment. John, you have an acting background. You speak actor. I can't tell you how many times you came into a room and I was so nervous you put me at ease right away because you know exactly what I was going through. I think you were even on tour. You know exactly what the actors are feeling because you are one. You've been one. Josie, same thing. You pulled me aside before the whole George Floyd, everything happened in the pandemic. You pulled me and Jordan aside and you were like, what do you guys need? Are you getting what you need? Is there anything that we can develop in the script to help we, us tell the story that needs to be told? You were doing that before it was cool and on trend. So you guys are both special. You're so special. And I'm so happy for you because you have finally gotten this beautiful work. And I, I will never stop praising Trevor. I will just, I will never stop having positive things to say about it because it was so important in my life and relatable to me, even though I'm not gay and I'm not a little boy. Like it was still relatable. Before I let you go, I, I still have a couple more questions for you. I do want to ask for you, John, what do you like better? Because you're good at everything. Do you like being an actor? <laughs> yes, yes, I said that and I mean it. Uh-huh. John, you are good at many things. <laughs> Do you like being an actor better or a producer better? <laughs> I, 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 no, honestly, it's just it's an interesting question. I I don't know how to answer it because I think they're so vastly different. Um, and they're and, and the thing about it is that they're also intrinsically linked. So it's like the things that I know about from being an actor are the reasons why I love producing and the things that I know about from producing are the reason why I love being an actor. They're, they're, even though they are in the same industry, they are very different pieces of the pie. So I, I can't really say that I like one better than the other. They're incredibly different. They use different sides of who I am and what I do. Which one I, I like, I don't like either better. They're like children. I like them equally. They're like my children. I like them equally. I've given the I've given careers personalities <laughs> in order to describe them. So if anybody was taking me seriously, now is the time to let it go. <laughs> no, I can't tell you which one I like better, but I do like them both equally and for different reasons. Yeah, oh, that's so interesting. And I we we're living in a time where you don't have to be put in a box even though I literally just tried to put you on. I'm just kidding. No, like you, you don't, you can do all the things. You don't have to just be a producer or just be an actor. We, you can embrace all the different talents and gifts that you've been given and run with it. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's so interesting. I think you, I, I would call myself a theater artist. I wouldn't necessarily call myself an actor or a producer or a this or a that because I, I think I, I, I exist in the, the soup. I exist in the theater the soup. soup. And to me, it's, I was saying to a, a friend of mine is I, I get what theater is. It's in my bones. It's been in my bones since I was a child. I, I walk into a theater and I can smell the black leg curtains and I go, I'm home. I, and I just feel that way, whether I'm sitting at a tech table discussing producerial things or whether I'm waiting to enter stage. It's the same feeling. I love that. And Josie, for you, you know that you're a badass being a woman in this male-dominated field. How, let's see here. How is that? How is it walking into a room knowing that you are outnumbered, but that you are still in the room. It's complicated. Interestingly, just like John wears many hats, like when I'm not directing and producing, I'm a teacher and a facilitator and I do healing work. And I, I don't see them as different. I actually see it all as part of the, my, Sorry to be super hippie here, but as my purpose in this lifetime, I, it is, I am here to facilitate stories coming to the surface that need to come to the surface. And when I, it, it's actually super helpful that I do this other work that I do, because when I walk into these very male dominated rooms, they're often, they don't have that lens at all. And, and right. it's okay. It's okay that they don't. That's all right. Sometimes I walk into the room and I make a little Reiki symbol before I walk in, or I say a little prayer before I walk in. I'm like... I'm going to walk into this room on this high rise in Manhattan. And like, I'm just going to imagine loving light coming from all of these people around the table. Yes. Even though they might not be that nice to each other all the time. Your energy is important. And I think sometimes being the minority and you're the minority in, in a room full of men. So a lot of times I can imagine your energy is important. You're in the room for a reason what you think and how you feel and how you deal with problems or how you problem solve is important because as the minority, you're seeing it differently than everybody else. Absolutely. But I'm also super picky about the projects that I do. Like I'm only going to do projects that fit into the, fit into that framework that I just named. It's about, and so the other thing I have to keep in mind is I'm like, okay, so it might be that I'm in a room here of people who do all sorts of projects. But if they've come to this one, I know that there's a piece of them that's here for this part too. I know that if someone's working on Trevor, it can't all be, it's not the same thing as working on something that's just an entertainment. Trevor is hugely entertaining, but it's not just, I'm always going to be interested in things that are entertaining. And I'm always going to be interested in stories that are about healing. And so if I'm in a room with all those dudes and, and I can get a little, sometimes we all get a little stirred up sometimes. Like I just have to remember if y'all are here working on this, there are pieces of you that want this kind of healing story in the world too. And I'm going to go there. Like that is where I'm going to go. And I think it's really important for all of us because none of us can do everything and nor should we try to. We're meant to be in community. We're wired to be in community. We're meant to find partners who balance us. So 
I'm always like looking around the room to be like, okay, I know I have this blind spot over here, but it's a good thing I'm working with because they don't have a blind spot for them. And then I hope that I can balance my partners in their blind spots. That, that's how I want to work. We're like, we're creating this organism. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that final question for both of you guys. In another 10 years, where do you see, where do you see yourselves individually or together, whatever, in 10 years from now? And we're not talking about making the next basketball shot. Where do you see yourselves in 10 years? That is such a scary question when you're middle-aged. I'll, I'll go if you're not ready, John. I don't know. <laughs> you don't have an answer. How dare you be such a comedian? I'll go. Let me go. Let me go. And then you can breathe with the question a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to sit in my, I'm going to sit in myself at the moment. <laughs> And just let that, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let that, I'm going to let that, that's let that stew. I, I have to tell you, like, right before I turned 40, one of my friends who's in his sixties, I, I tend to have a lot of friends who are older than me. Wait, 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 wait. Josie, can I just interrupt you really quickly? Because you're yeah. going to love, this is going to be a great start to your thing. At the very beginning of this interview, you asked us like, how did this whole thing become about, is there any way that you could make it happen faster? And I forget why we were talking about this. But we were going over a contract, Josie, I, and Mark were going over a contract, and it was about deliverables. About So like an underlying rights contract might be like, you have to get this done by this time, by this time. And so that ends up over a certain period of time. And what? <laughs> in the 30s. And, jo and Josie went, well, I don't want to do this contract because this means that I'm, in, I'm 40 years old by the time this thing gets done. And I don't want to wait till I'm 40. And I was like, yeah, it's a good point. I don't want to wait till I'm 40 either. Here we are. Well, here we are. <laughs> 42. <laughs> I just like the idea that we were like, we're not waiting till we're 40 to do this. This is going to be done way before we're 40. <laughs> oh, my God. And actually, that was like the reason why we were like, we have to just re reform this contract because... It had nothing to do with the show. It was just like, we have to be on to another project by the time we're 40. That's oh my gosh. Time is funny, but here time. we are. Let's yeah, now we know. Now we know how long it takes. Okay, in 10 years, I, I have some ideas for some other projects cooking up, is one thing. Another thing is, John and I have been working together since we were in our early 20s. I imagine that John and I will continue to find projects together for the rest of our lives. That doesn't mean we'll necessarily work on everything together, but I, John and I will always find ways to collaborate. We're like, we're artistic soulmates. Yes. I love that. Um, or uh, sometimes I think of John as like my brother. I feel like we have a, like a kinship. And I'm also like, I'm, I'm a radical. So the other thing that without getting into too many specifics, like I'm really interested in the next 10 years about ways that things can change. And so that is something that drives me. Mm, I see you, Josie. Mm -hmm. I'm here for that. Oh, I'm here for that. I know you are. <laughs> I'm going to have you on black hair in the big leagues. <laughs> Are there, is there space for white girls on there? I don't know. I think maybe we can create. We can create <laughs> for you. I love that. I love all of that. John. Oh, man. You think that after 
Josie said something that would spark some idea in my head. And I'd be like, obviously, this was what you meant to say when this question was asked. But I, uh, that didn't happen. And I, this, this is what I'll say. In our show, our person says in 10 years, like, think big, think ahead, think what you want to be. Uh, think about what you want to be. And that's how you're going to get there. And I love that thinking. And I have done a lot of that in my life. But being over 40 i in the, in the, in another 10 years i would like to i would like to look ahead and see what doors open for me rather than trying to push through doors i i want to see what doors open and i look in and say what's going on in there so in since i've spent most of my life thinking ahead and what i want maybe i want a little bit more in the next 10 years to be about what happens unto me and how yes. that can arrive and grow. Wait, so instead of brilliant. Is it brilliant? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. It's you're following your curiosity. You think like in because you've been working your butt off your whole life. And that is a part of you. You might still do it without even trying to, but you're saying you want to be at a point to where you can just enjoy the ride and just be curious and see where it leads because you've already been led to so many places. And that's how I'm seeing it. And life is a crazy ride. Like you, you can end up anywhere. You could. And, and being not knowing, and, and I think you might find some great things if you don't know where you're going. So I'm interested to find those great things. So instead of saying, I, this is what I see, I, in another 10 years, you can ask me that what happened and I'll tell you. Oh, I love that. How can people find you and follow you? Both of you. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Josie Bray Healing Arts. And uh, my website is josiebray.com. All right. That's J-O-S-I-E-B-R-A-Y. Cute, cute. And John? And if you want to follow me, my phone number is 617-501-3408. Why? Give me a call. I'll help you do anything you want. I'm also on Instagram. I don't know my handle. I'm also on Facebook. Any of these things are fine. I reach out. I'm ready to help. Wow. Okay. Do you want me to blur that out? Or are you are you like, no, for real? I don't know. Like, do we think that people are gonna randomly call me? Let's find out. I'm ready to I'm ready to take some phone. <laughs> I guarantee you that my putting my phone number on this will engender not a single phone call. Uh-oh. Now so you're gonna I, have 10 million calls. I love it. Actually, what's interesting is that when we were doing casting for Trevor, I got a message on my direct message on Instagram and, and it was a young man. And he said, I just graduated from college and I want to be a producer. Will you meet with me? And so I met him on the Upper West Side in the mid 70s somewhere at a coffee shop. And being a producer really isn't a job. But I met with him and we spent, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours talking together. And at the end of it, he said, thank you so much for for meeting with me. And I said, this career, this thing that we do is the theater in general is not a linear career. It's not like other careers where you go to school, you do well, you go to college, you do well, you then go to this kind of specialty school and you do well, and then you do well as an intern, and then you do well in the career. We don't follow a linear path like that. And anything, any opportunity that has found me has been because I randomly reached out to somebody and said, will you talk to me? Will you tell me what they're doing? And so whenever someone finds me and asks me, can, will you talk to me? The answer from me is always yes, because I don't know how you do it unless people that are above you or who have gone ahead of you 
say yes to you and say yes to giving you information that you otherwise couldn't have. I'm always very impressed by people who find their way and take a leap and say, look, I don't know where this coffee is going gonna, is gonna to lead me. But what I do know is if I talk to you, maybe I'll find my way going forward. Maybe I can create some sort of linear direction through whatever this chaotic career is. So I always say yes to people that reach out directly to me and say, will you meet me for coffee? So my phone number can stay on this podcast. And if 500,000 people call me, number one, Salisha, congratulations, because that is, you have some followers. Number one. Number two, just give me some time and I'll try to get through all the calls. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I love both of you guys. Thank you so much for spending your morning with me. Thank you for coming on the Salisha show. I love you both. Love the Salisha show. Love you too, Salish. You're amazing. I think you're amazing. Thank you guys so much. Mwah. That wraps another episode. Thanks for listening to The Salisha Show. See you next week and don't be shy. If you love the show, please tell me why. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Go one step further, tell a friend or two. Check out my site if you think it was the bomb. Pay a visit to SaliciaThomas.com. One last thing before I relax. Shout out Josh Carey and thanks, Podmax. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. <laughs>